0: Hi, I'm Allison, and welcome to the Searching for Vitality podcast. Candace and I are the co-hosts, and we are interviewing health and wellness practitioners in the greater Omaha and Lincoln area with the goal of learning different ways to better our wellness. We are searching for ways to better our mind, body, and spirit, and invite you to follow along in our journey. Our hope is that this podcast inspires you to connect with various experts and our local community to build a team to help you along your own journey. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, today we are talking with Astara Raven, founder of Illuminating Hearts, Coach, and so much more. Thank you so much for joining with us today, and could you just talk a little bit about yourself and how you got into the work
1: that you do? Absolutely. It's kind of a circuitous route. I have a background in architecture. I actually keep my license up. I'm licensed in the state of California, where I'm originally from, and I was working for a big architecture engineering firm for a good number of years. And when I was in our San Francisco office at the time, they contacted me and asked me to come to the corporate heart, which was in Omaha. So that was back in 2013. So as of August this year, it'll be a decade that I'll have moved to the heartland. And because I was in that industry for over 20 years, it was a real good portion of my life. So when I switched gears into another kind of role In a fun way, I had a theme of wellness that wove from one role to the next. So although I was an architect, I ended up over, you know, the journey of that. We all look at our journeys as kind of organic and we look back in hindsight as 2020. And at that time, I was designing spaces for health and wellness, and sustainability was my focus. So although a a lot of people want to have a healthy building and a lot of people want to have a sustainable building, it was actually kind of difficult and it still can be to get the right measures into the budget and to get things considered. So I was the person at the table asked to be the expert and those that would facilitate like me and others like me, we'd get into a room of other architects and engineers as well as the client and try to facilitate and, you know, get wellness to be a priority And what I realized later in my career, once I started getting into this more extracurricular alternative method of healing that we call sound healing and energy work, I realized that I had been preparing for this my whole life. And so now... I do something very different, but it does weave over that I still work on health and wellness. And in a fun way, I'm kind of like a sonic architect now. And I'm creating spaces with my partner, Orion, uh, to create rest and digest states in the body. That's where our healing occurs. People will call it the healing intelligence that we all have. So now I focus more on helping people relax get in touch with their inner knowing, connect with the power that they're made of and try to make changes from inside that space versus the external world of built environment. And it is a big shift, but it was a fun journey. I, I'm really gr- grateful for every step of the way. And I love what I do now.
0: Yeah, what a very like cool journey. Like Like you said, it's super cool just to see how Things kind of like tie in together. And I feel like you so often end up at places. Like when you, you never would have imagined that like 20 years ago that you would be, you know, where you are now. And I just always think it's so cool um, how that happens.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It is, it is. And I, and one of the things I love, I I now have a lots of different hats that I wear, just like as an architect, I'd wear different hats. You know, sometimes I'd look at electrical or I'd look at mechanical or I'd look at plumbing or we look at, you know, sustainability aspects across all these different categories. And you'd wear all these different hats, um, you know, from the structural to the outdoors and the climate and where the building sits and how it relates to that climate and now I wear different hats in different ways. I, I act more as a coach sometimes in a one-on-one setting or in a group setting, or sometimes I'll lead events that are, are built around a certain theme with my husband um, and us doing sound healing, or sometimes I will be more of a teacher in our online school and um, lead in that way. So depending on what hat I wear, I do a whole bunch of different things. But inside of all of it, what's really cool is I get to tell the story of how I came to where I'm at you know, again and again, and it's what my book is based on. And then I get to find out from others where they've been and these incredible trajectories. So with my ongoing clients, I get to help them say more yes inside of themselves to what they came here to do and the gifts they came here to bring, which as we all know, eventually, no matter whether we look at it from the medical model or from a more alternative healing model, um, all of us are either kind of rejecting our path or saying yes to it. I know it's not that black or white, but we can often look back and say, oh, this moment where I started to say more yes to this thing I've always wanted to do is when we start to get a little healthier.
0: And how do you go about coaching people to start saying yes to that?
1: It is um, kind of a, it's like a holy trinity of sorts. I, I do a little bit of emotional investigation work. So we find out what the fears are, what our deepest miserable thoughts are, like, you know, sort of that might, we might think of as the psychological self. So I, I help people explore, you know, what is that therapeutic underbelly that sort of says, oh, no, anxiety or depression, or like, what is keeping somebody from that? Yes. And then because it could be a lot of different things, you know, how we're raised, um, the general culture, even bigger than our family culture it could be, uh, something that we we figured out along the way and then there is um, you know sort of that spiritual component some might call it mystical some might call it meditative or mindful but to be in the now you know how do I like Eckhart Tolle talks about and some other thought leaders like Ram Das, you know be here now how do we do that and sometimes that just You know, full participation living takes a lot of courage and a lot of spiritual tools. So I teach people somatic things and how to understand how energy, subtle energy moves through their body, how the physics of their body works, not just the kind of what we would think of more the mechanical of our organs and our blood and anatomy, but also the subtle energy bodies, because it really is a cool and wonderful thing that some of the bigger traditions like Chinese medicine and Ayurveda have been studying for thousands of years. And we're starting to get more in our contemporary society on board with some of that ancient knowledge. And then I also like to kind of get visionary with folks, you know, so we have the past, our psychological self, we have the present, our mystical self, and then we have the future that, that like heart desire, that rocket of desire that we might want to ignite or maybe go, oh no, I better not. <laughs> and I love to get visionary with people. And the best way to do that is to help them really get inside of themselves. So the name of my online school is called Inner Space Academy, because a lot of these things that we want to solve are going to actually be a journey inward, as much as it might be talking with me or another therapist or, you know, somehow, some way sorting through all those layers of self. I love kind of looking at it from all those different angles and just getting a, a longer term together with a client so we can start to unwind all that stuff and get really aware of the bigger picture of ourselves.
0: And then when you were mentioning before sound baths, I've kind of heard that before, um, sort of on social media. Can you talk a little bit more what that is, or if someone does have a sound bath with you, what they experience or what to expect?
1: Absolutely. And it really can change sound healer to sound healer, sound worker to sound worker, just like any architect is going to have a different kind of design approach, um, every human's going to have their own signature way they approach sound, and it should be that way. We're all unique, right? So the way that we do it at Illuminating Hearts is we have a lot of gongs, and gongs are our joke as we play heavy metal. And... <laughs> gongs are this really interesting resonance tool because when you whether you strike it with a mallet that's kind of like a cushioned mallet that looks like a little stuffed animal on a stick and or you have a more rubber kind of mallet that creates a different kind of resonant sound that might sound like a, a whale floating through space or something so whether it's kind of like a a, a bigger um, resonance of this mallet strike or a mallet rub It can evoke different sounds, and they have lots of undertones and lots of overtones that our body knows instinctively, and it's very relaxing. Even if somebody's not a seasoned meditator, or they're not good at relaxing, or they think, oh, good luck, I can't rest, like I've gone to massage, or I've gone to meditation class, I can't do it it's pretty cool. So the way we describe it is imagine that your mind is like a snow globe and the snow globe can get shaken up. Like in the morning we wake up and we go, oh gosh, I have this to-do list. I have to get to work by this time. I'm running late or whatever it is. And the snowflakes are all shaken about by thoughts, concerns, strategies for the day. And in meditation, the goal is to let the snowflake settle. All those thoughts over time, if we sit maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes is usually a good rule of thumb. By about 15 minutes, the mind can typically settle. And then the snowflakes slowly go down. They start to sink and settle. What the gong does is it becomes kind of a focal point. So the mind can't really resist it. And what happens is the gong, because of these overtones, these undertones, and the real wide band of frequencies that it offers, that's a little different than our day to day sounds, it will actually kind of grab those snowflakes and just help pull them down. So even if a person is like, oh, I don't know how to meditate, I don't really like meditating, it gives them this incredible focal point for their protective mind, you know, that personality aspect that we call the ego. That's like, oh, is that safe? What's that? I don't know. And so it's this fantastic invitation for most people of all ages, all walks of life, any kind of health issues that they can come in. And as soon as one strike of the gong happens, they'll usually stop talking and look and turn and go, what is that? So it, it is a, it's a magnetic kind of resonant quality because it's got such a wide ba- bank of frequencies that... You know, people know in their bodies, ooh, that's interesting. I want to listen to that further. And then slowly but surely the snowflakes start to settle.
0: How long do you typically do like a sound bath session for?
1: It can vary. Um, We have a couple hours in our workshop. That doesn't mean the whole sound will go for two hours. But what we like to think of is because I I would add that not only do we have gongs, we also have a whole bunch of other really interesting instruments. Um, Singing bowls are fairly commonly known and they're more bell-like sounds, you know, little higher notes, depending. We have a really big bowl that kind of strike. It's like (laughs) bowl, but um, between the bowls, the gongs, we have didgeridoos, which is basically a little eucalyptus tree trunk that's been sliced top and bottom and it has one hole and a rindiser circular breathing with it, it creates a really interesting drone note. So all of those sounds together can really relax people. And when we do our work, even if it's a two-hour workshop, the main goal of the workshop is to prepare people for the sound, give them some beautiful sound, and then help them come back into the world from the sound. Because when we use those types of frequencies, we start to use more of our brain than we normally do. So our beta wave state of our brain is kind of that go, 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 snowflakes tossed about, to-do lists, action items, meetings, driving, all that stuff. That's a, a very common brain wave state. Probably the dominant for most people is all day long beta. And maybe unless they're daydreamers and they're deeply imaginative artists, there's not a lot of permission slips for people to go into other states. But inside of our sound, we actually can help people get to alpha, which is that kind of aha moment when we all have a breakthrough or a joyful insight. It's a a kind of happy state of being. You know, we all wish we had alpha more. And we see it in babies where they kind of coo and they look at things with fresh eyes. Um, Theta is a state where we're not asleep, but we're kind of daydreaming. We might even have a vision of something. Albert Einstein was known to take naps. And what he would do is he would hold some kind of rock in his hand, and then he'd have a metal plate under his hand. And when he would go to sleep, his hand would roll and get soft, and the thing would fall on the plate, and he'd wake himself up. And what that did was it got him to kind of titrate and test the edge of the theta brainwave state. And before he got to delta, which is sleep, he would snap himself back and that would help him have creativity and vision. And that's how he solved a lot of his mathematical big problems. So what we do inside of an event is we get people in the sound long enough to get into these brainwave states, but not so long that they would get lost in them. So we'll have some workshops where we do maybe a 15 minute sound bit, get back, have some tea, talk and share, ask questions, and then do another 15 or 20 minute sound bit and then do the same. And then we send them out into the world with, oh, I knew what that felt like. I got to relax. It felt so good. I'd like more of it. But then they don't get overwhelmed. For um, some sound events, we do a full hour of sound and that can be really delicious because people can just rest inside of it. And that can be great for those that have been to them before or they're coming back and they feel comfortable about it. It can be challenging for folks who have done it for a first time because they think, a lot of those thoughts of, wait, what's going on? Is What does this mean? Am I okay? You know, it's it can be a vulnerable place to really relax with a whole bunch of other people. And so we do privates out of our house for those that prefer to just have it be them, you know, with a sounder or, or a friend or a partner.
0: So do you usually find or hear from people that the benefit of this, like, I know it's like, gets them into that rest state, but is it generally like healing in some fashion or is it more of like an enlightenment that they have or how would you describe that?
1: It's a really great question and what's so fun about this is it actually is like yes yes and yes and yes so it really depends on the person and what they need and sound we've learned over time behaves a lot like water. I know that sounds kind of interesting to say but it really follows the path of least resistance So if somebody's gotten, let's say like recently within the year or two, they had a surgery, they'll be laying there in the sound, you know, it's kind of doing its thing and they're trying to relax or they're getting relaxed. And they'll say, oh, that knee surgery, it felt like angels were knitting it back together. Or we've heard... Others, like there's a heat in that area and they decide, oh, I need to start moving it. And so maybe they kind of roll around a little on the mat or get up and walk around because we encourage people to trust their body. And then they find that through that process, it got them to release and go to a next level of healing. So there's a lot of really cool physical effects that happen. Spiritually, um, some people who are interested in a more spiritual life or a more spiritual expression... They'll have entire journeys. They'll talk to like loved ones who have passed. They'll, they'll emerge and say, both of my parents are dead. I didn't get along with them in this life, but they've got, they said they've got my back and they came and visited me and said so much loving messages that they are transformed. Um, uh, we had one woman say that her brother who had passed came and was with her. We've had people say they didn't understand it, but it felt like it was another lifetime and they were dancing around a fire. So it was as if they were maybe even having a past life memory. We've had people report, we have a Patreon site and we have people that can just go and pay $7 a month and they can have access to all these great recordings. And a one woman came up to us at the end of an event and she said, I'm on your Patreon site and I'm going through a difficult breakup with my husband and it's literally helping me through it. Like I listen to it every single day. It grounds me, it centers me and I can face the difficult changes. And so it really just depends on the person and we live by those, you know, all of us in any business. It's like, oh, it's working. What we're here to do is working. So it's really, of course, profound that everybody's finding benefit when they find it. But when we get the feedback, it just makes us so happy.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a very powerful Um, like healing modality. And I had no idea. I mean, I kind of thought you just go and it's relaxing and you feel maybe rejuvenated and rested after. So that's really cool.
1: You know, and and what you're experiencing does exist. Um, There are some really great people in town and their only goal, which is perfectly beautiful, is to just relax others. And that is where the healing happens, by the way there is a parasympathetic nervous system and there is a sympathetic nervous system. So for those that don't know it, the sympathetic does the fight or flight, freeze or fawn. The parasympathetic does the rest, digest, heal. So the idea with the sound in general for sound healing is, hey, let's get people into the parasympathetic nervous system. It's the same thing with chiropractics, acupuncture, massage, Reiki. They're all trying to get folks into that rest and digest state because that's Your natural healing intelligence is that parasympathetic nervous system. And so some folks, that's the only goal. It's like, let's just rest you. And we've done that. We can do that. And it's really profound to just come and rest and not even have a goal or a healing intention and just go, I don't know what happened. I just rested. That's magical. We've noticed over time, it's probably because of our personalities, because we're transformation focused is we like empowering people, we like giving them tools, we like teaching them a little bit, some toning practices, some breath practices, which is how we prepare the body. Then they get that sound. And because people are reporting some really profound insights, breakthroughs, visions, and also healing... We've realized, man, this is where the magic is, is for people to know how magical they are. And if they just have a platform, a kind of, quote unquote, architecture, so to speak, to go into that space, then they will. And they maybe have never, ever thought they could do that. And then they go into that state of awareness or that aha from the alpha brain. And they say, Oh, my gosh, I didn't know this was available to me. I want to do this more. Because that's very empowering place to be to know. I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know I was capable of such great things. Um, I thought it was just, you know, these fancy folks that I, I pay money to, to have them vision for me and to realize they can vision for themselves. It's, it's quite, quite beautiful. I love it's one of my favorite things."
0: Do you use any sort of like energy healing or energy work to help with
1: this? Yeah, you know, I know we don't have a visual for folks, but um, in my book, I describe a lot of this. I even have a chapter. It's called The Donut. And this is me speaking to myself over time. My book is called How the Stars Tell Time. And it's kind of like a love story of how I met my partner and how we formed Illuminating Hearts and how I translated my life from architect to sonic architect. But it is also just about the things I love to teach in my courses. And it's a lot about physics and how we might deem the soul. How do we describe a soul? Like, what are these things, these concepts? So um, electromagnetism, and you guys can look this up on NASA's site, or you can Google it. It's really great YouTube videos that can give visuals. Of course, in my class, I have visuals too. And basically we have what's called a toroidal field. And the the easiest way to describe it is if we were all just standing in a room, it would be as tall as we were, you know, and it might go out maybe five to six feet, depending on the person's height. And that toroidal field spirals around. Like if you cut an apple through a cross section or an orange, you would see this really cool kind of shape. And it, it, comes in in the center like a C and then it goes out like wings around the outside and that's a toroidal field but it's a 360 degree spiral plus it spirals in another axis as well so our brains have a hard time understanding it because it's not really linear it's kind of bi-directional and it has uh, from the center outward there's like these two vectors but they spiral and twirl and do this really interesting vortex dance <laughs> So that's basically the energy that we're made of. And it happens at every scale from the cell to an organ, to our body, to the tree outside, to the earth, to a galaxy. Like it just keeps going. And even our weather patterns have similar. So a great way to look at the earth is just like at our heart where this spiral comes out and spirals around the equator. You can actually look and see how the weather patterns kind of have a vector going one way and the other, and they spin out. So it's a fractal is what it's called. It's basically a pattern. And when we do energy healing, there's Reiki out there. And a lot of folks who use Reiki, they'll they'll plug into a different system from Japan or different places where a teacher or a master will say, these are the symbols to use. This is the way to work with the energy. I do it a little bit different because I'm kind of that architect brain and I have that engineering mind and I love physics and quantum physics. I got into the electromagnetism of it and I approached it kind of scientifically with this spiritual overlay sort of being pragmatic. I call myself a pragmatic mystic. It's like, okay, so this is how physics works and flows. How do we connect to that spiral? So a great way to go back to that description of a sound bath is if we all have this toroidal field spiraling around us, it can get wobbly. And the way it gets wobbly is there might be some stuck spots in our body, an actual physical location, or in what they call the nadis or the meridians, these sort of energy rivers that run through us, and there's an energy field around us, right? Because we have this big toroidal field that extends out, that might also have some little spots and stagnancies or buildups, and or or vacancies, and then it has a hard time flowing well. It can get wobbly the way i would describe it in our practical day to day is whenever we get accident accident prone maybe extra grumpy we're we're reactive it's a hard time settling even with our best tools and skills we're like what is wrong with me today well, you probably have a wobble in your field and that's when it's great to see a chiropractor or do acupuncture or come to me or somebody else who can help tune up your field or go to our sound bath or get a recording. And so the concept of that is energy work to me can be very, very simple. It's either that vortex is flowing or it's not. And we have lots of energy centers there's the seven main chakras that people speak of but there's actually more than that and so i feel excited to share those types of things those awarenesses of the subtle energy that we are because it's electromagnetism and how it works and flows through us and that's basically what inner space academy a main piece of it is is all right what are the chakras how do they work what do you mean there's more than seven you know and just help explain and make it as, as accessible as possible even though it's very esoteric and subtle and nuanced it can actually be visually accessible and as an architect i like making it accessible in a visual way for people
0: yeah i have heard that um there's more than just the seven chakras out there um but it's been really difficult for me to find really any information on them as to like what they are and kind of what they contribute to and, um, you know, what their role is. So I don't know if you have kind of any insight on that, that you could
1: share. I do. And for those that are interested, interspaceacademy.love, L-O-V-E, that's my online school. And you can like geek the, the heck out of all of it, you know? So the seven major ones are from the base of our spine to the top of our head, and, and just a little bit beyond. And that is from the root to the crown. And it kind of goes through the major organ areas like the root is the first one, the belly or sacral area is the second, and then the solar plexus is the third, the heart is the fourth, the throat is the fifth. That place in our brain is the sixth. And, and really, if you think of it, it's like the very center of the center. So if you were to look from a vertical and a horizontal axis in, in a couple different directions, that's the center of the brain. And some people call it the third eye. It's the pineal gland. It's an actual eye. It has rods and cones. And it's pretty cool stuff when you start to get into the anatomy And then there's this area right above the head. It's like if you think of the nail and the soft spot on a baby and just above that, there's a crown and that's the seventh. So there's a a sense of a rainbow and people say red to purple, like going all the way up. What I've learned over time is there's also some energy centers that are kind of like a sub to the main ones. Um, Like the heart has one to the left and the right. The hips have one to the left and the right. There's some places that consider other energy centers, like really subtle ones at the chin, above the lips. There's some having to do with like in between the belly and the solar plexus. There's some areas where there's a low heart chakra and an upper heart chakra, depending on what system you go to. And so something I want to encourage people, it's kind of my main gig, is we have to trust our own knowing and also be very discerning. So there's an Egyptian system and there is, you know, a system from India and there is a system from the West that has translated some of these things. And then there's this system in, um looking at Chinese medicine and they have way different approach. And so there is so many there's folks who even think there are over 700 energy centers. So it really kind of comes down to what a person's into, what their passion is. And if they don't want to know all these different numbers and all the different things, they could just simply get to know themselves and think, well, I don't know about all that, but I am intrigued by this concept of having more flow in my energy field. And so really, it it almost it's good to know that these things exist, but it's not a requirement. And because there's so many types of systems, depending on where in the world and where they got rooted in, it's good for us to just kind of go, you know what? There's a diversity of interpretation out there. Humans are always gonna interpret slightly different depending on the culture and the approach. And so there's no right or wrong. And the main thing is though, we are electromagnetic there are collections or pools of energy that move through our body and even outside of our body, which is also really interesting. And so depending on how far down a rabbit hole somebody wants to go, like in my coursework, I can take them pretty far down the rabbit hole, But there's also a lot of stuff that you can look online. And then the more you look, the more confusing it can get because everybody's got a different opinion. And so I actually talk about that in my coursework and take people to some really good scholarly articles that demystify some of this and say, you know, there's no right or wrong. Be open, be interested and curious, and then decide what works for you.
0: So do you have any advice for um, ways people can become better at listening to their, as you called it, their inner knowing?
1: Yes. One of the most simple tools, and I can even just share it right here. It only takes one to two minutes, maybe even less, depending on how busy their day is. You know, those times when you're like, I literally have 15 seconds before my next meeting. (laughs) And all we have to do is just take a deep breath. And it can help if a person isn't driving and they can close their eyes. If they can't and they're driving and they have to focus, they can just kind of let themselves feel as if they're coming back to their core. So the center of that electromagnetic donut is our heart and kind of our solar plexus. I mean, it's sort of like one big core package here. It's the highest concentration of electromagnetic activity that we're made of. It's a hundred times more powerful than our head. Our head's awesome. It is also part of the center, but it literally is not the center of the center. It's kind of vertical from that horizontal center of the toroidal field. So it's called coming back to center. So if a person is a little disassociated, a little flipped out, maybe triggered, there's things going on just to give themselves some space. Maybe say, hold on a minute and go to the bathroom or like take a little break or go on a lunch break and breathe deep, come back to their center through the breath. So it would be like take a bigger breath than you've taken all day. And then you let it out with a sigh, hopefully. And if not, you at least exhale nice and slow. And after that, you do that a few times. The bonus, what will magnetize that feeling of coming back home to that core is to think of either something that brought you delight that day, even if you're having a not-so-great moment. If you come up with just one thing, the first thing that comes to your mind, it could be the simplest thing, like a color you like, or a flower you saw outside the building, or something somebody said to you the night before, or just a person that you love and you see their face. It really doesn't matter what it is. You just think of one thing, one joyful, delightful, grateful thing. And you kind of breathe that in on your next inhale. So first we just need to come back to our core. Then we think of something good. And it is kind of fun for those that are spiritual, good in God or only one letter off. <laughs> so it's like we start to connect up with that bigger, that thing that's bigger than ourselves. And then it's not. Like the problems go away or the triggers or that difficulty of knowing how to be in their body. They might still have to practice and it may not be easy the first couple of times, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's like building muscle and training. So we just lift a few weights. Like Instead of, I'm going to go lift a a 200-pound weight, it's like, I'm going to do this five pounder. So the five pounder is just a few deep breaths, thinking of something good. And really breathing it in as if it's happening right now. That is one of the simplest ways to come right back into our heart. I have like 30 other tools. But that's just a really simple one. Um, In our sound healing work, we get people to make sound. Because the free mode of sound healing that we were all born with is our voice. So I say, hey... Why don't we use it? Because a lot of people say, oh, I don't know how to sing or I'm not trained or oh, my voice or I'm off pitch or they they, a lot of people when we are in a room of like 50 people, when we say, how many of you sing? Not everybody raises their hands. And then we say, OK, how many of you really sing like in the car or the shower? And then everybody raises their hands. So we have these qualifications that are aesthetic in our idea of cultural singing. You know, it's like, oh, I'm a singer or I'm not a singer. But the truth is everybody that's born that has a vocal cord can sing or make a sound or hum. And that's another really great way to come back into the body and come back into the center. So the idea, the goal of almost everything that I do can be simplified down to come back to your body come back into your center. And I help people do that. That's why we're called Illuminating Hearts is the heart is at the center. So let's go back there.
0: So when people are humming, does it matter what they're humming? Like, do you need to like hum a certain tune or frequency or just any humming?
1: You know, any humming will do. Now, having said that, we do different tools depending on the day or the theme. So sometimes we'll have people just say simple sounds like, Mm. You know when we say mm, good," or we say "oh, but not a not a big mouth though, a closed mouth though that'll make a little more vibration in the the mouth, throat, and jaw, and chest." And so it's like your mouth becomes a cheerio, and you go "ooh." <laughs> and then we also do an "e" sound, which makes everybody smile. And what's so cool about like if somebody goes "cheese" and everybody starts to giggle a little bit. Just smiling starts to change our chemistry. So we could be having a not so great day. And if somebody challenges us to smile, it's almost impossible to be in a bad mood once you're smiling. And that's why there's laughter yoga and all these different techniques of getting people into wellness through their laughter or a smile. So we say E and it makes people smile. And that can really, you know, if you're feeling you know, really small, you feel diminished, maybe a, a a boss cut you down to size or a partner didn't speak nicely to you or something was happening or your kids are triggering you and their teenagers or whatever it is you could just say excuse me I'll be right back go into the bathroom and just go e and it like expands you back out again and you take up more space again you know really participate in the world again instead of pulling everything in because what happens is Some people confuse coming back to the body with diminishing their energy field. But the the contrast, the paradox is you want to be in the body with a nice, big, bright, bold field. And so it's kind of a little bit of a paradox. The other sounds that we like to encourage people to consider is the sound of laughter is usually ha. So you know, you'll you'll text somebody and somebody will go ha or ha ha. When, when they're, if they don't have time to put an emoji in there and, um, or, you know, the evil laugh, which is even better. that combines mm with wahahaha So any kind of laugh sound, even if it's just ha, or we'll do a grounding exercise and we'll get everybody almost like a karate chop to say it really big and bold and go ha. Um, And then we make them say it three times in a row. And then everybody starts to laugh because it's like, "Ha, ha, ha, ha ha ha. And then they start laughing. So laughter and tears usually are a sign we're in our heart, nobody wants to cry. But as we know, it can be really, really cleansing and releasing and important. And some really good cries are what helps people usually get past an issue. So laughter is good. Tears are okay too. But laughter is even more powerful because it has the joy resonance. And so we just like to get people into sounds that will either biomimic something that's good for us chemistry-wise or can make a lot of resonance in our chest and body like a mm.
0: Um, One other topic um, that I really wanted to touch on while we were talking is um, shamanism. I know that's something that uh, you have some expertise in, and I really don't know anything about it. I've heard about it. um, So I would love if you could kind of give us an overview about what that is.
1: Absolutely. It's a passion of mine. And I would say in some ways, although my book, how the stars tell time is a lot about meeting yourself across time and getting to know some of the physics of the soul and like how we might be operating in this universe and in our bodies. Um, uh, One of the side things I talk about in the book is really this thing I call soul retrieval. And it's a term that comes from shamanism. Psychologically, it could be the equivalent could be disassociation. So imagine a big event, good or bad, like it could be a great event, like a promotion or a move that we want to do, or like a big, like marriage or a baby or like something beautiful. Even that can be a lot for our body, our field, our emotion, or psyche. So what happens is soul loss. So the idea that psychologically it's called disassociation is let's say we don't have the tools or the capacity to handle what just happened even if it's good especially if it's bad and so that part of us just kind of freezes and just steps back a little and might even get quote-unquote disembodied Now imagine when you've got a whole planet, especially certain cultures around this planet that don't encourage really taking the time to reconnect with parts of us that might be disassociated. We have compounded disassociation or soul loss. So whether we use a shamanic term or a psychological term, it's quite natural to have it happen. And what I would love to see happen is in our culture and in our education system, and we don't have to use shamanic terms, but just to use some sort of way of helping kids, teenagers, adults, like when they have the strength, when they have the tools, let's say they've got a mentor or a therapist or somebody's helping them like me as a coach or somebody else, that they can then say, all right, I had this car accident or I had this surgery, I had this divorce or I was abused or there was this awful, you know, incident or I'm a POW or like, you know, all the things that can happen as trauma. And we go back almost in time, visit that at a sort of metaphorical visionary level, and then we call that part back home. I did that when I had a car accident in 2007 and I was new to this. And a friend of mine who had had some training, she said, have you gone back to the freeway to call that part of you home? And I said, oh my God, no, that sounds so straightforward. <laughs> and so I did, I just sat, I was good at meditating. I was very visionary, I had a gift for it. Turns out this is one of the things I was meant to do on this planet. And I brought that part of me back. Now, just for those that have never, ever had any knowledge of shamanism, or for those that are really intrigued by it, but it's just new, um, and maybe those that have been interested in a while and didn't know this, the term shaman is a Siberian term. So there is a lot of terms, as you can imagine, in different tribes around the planet that would describe the same kind of ceremonial leader or a person that would have that type of role in a society. What shaman or shaman means in Siberian, basically, is one who navigates between what we can see, like we ta- we say, okay, here's my 3D solid reality, and then what we cannot see, which ironically enough is what quantum physics is trying to explore. So... You know, the shaman was sort of the quantum physicist before they existed. And it was the person who came in with a lot of spiritual know how and training because it turns out they could access more of their brain and body than maybe some other people in the tribe. It was maybe had to do with how they were raised or their ge- genetics or, you know, who knows all the different things. But that person would show a certain propensity, they would be called out and initiated. So now in our Western model, it's a lot different. You know, people pay for workshops and they go study under different leaders and then they get trained and mentored and they may or may not honor different traditions. Like there's a tradition in Peru and in Hawaii and in Norway and in Mexico. And, you know, I mean, they're all over the world from Siberia to Mongolia to Canada. There's different tribes All the First Nation tribes around the world have their own version of this, and they have different thoughts and beliefs, and it's perfect. You know, it's like, just like us with all of our different religions and spiritual traditions, we have a big diversity. So what we are learning from a Western model is we have to stay open, respectful of the tribes that we're studying under, make sure that we are giving you know, acknowledgement to the traditions and letting the people know the land that we sit on, like here we sit on Omaha land. um, But they were dislocated certain hundreds of years ago. And who was the tribe before that? Like, there's a lot that hasn't been noted. But shamanism is that person who is able to navigate that unseen world, that thing that is kind of uncomfortable in our Western culture, because we surely like solid evidence, data and logic. But for the shaman, the more logical place is the unseen because that's where everything begins. Now, the other cool thing that most shamanic practitioners are good at is communicating with nature. And they usually look to nature as a wise teacher and a mentor and where like the animism of God comes alive. So, You know, how, or if somebody uses a different term, they might say universe or creator or whatever word, presence of all that is, whatever word somebody wants to use. So shamanic practice is typically, hey, this person might go to a doctor and they would say your blood pressure is high or you have diabetes or you've got this thyroid problem or you've got this autoimmune disorder. We're not sure what it is, but you're inflamed. And then they'd go and they'd say here's this pharma or here's this thing that you have to do or here's a physical therapist you have to see or you've got to go and do these other things or get this hormone therapy so like western medicine will say here's the western medical model here's the physical solve what a shaman will do will say like when was the last time you sang when was the last time you danced when is the last time you laughed what's the state of your spiritual being how how open are you to the fullness of your soul What big events have happened that you haven't dealt with? What unresolvedness lies inside of you? How stuck is your energy? And they'll tend to these things that our medical model might not pay attention to or even ask about. And what I love about where Western medicine is heading, there are doctors who are getting trained in some of these modes, there are integrative and functional medicine practitioners who are starting to think more systems like and really seeing that the authority of the health of somebody is actually inside them in their body, even if somebody's very learned and trained. So, what I love about shamanism, because I'm such a sustainability nature girl, is it gets people really reconnecting back to the bigger net that we are a part of and it gets people not thinking in such a siloed manner about their own health and well-being you can start to really see a bigger picture about what might be underneath the illness because dis-ease literally if you break the word down is just a lack of ease so it's like, what's out of ease in your system and why is your system attacking itself? You know, it might actually be a metaphor of yourself rejecting, like it could be some psychological or spiritual route.
0: And I kind of want to circle back to something that you had said um, about yourself was that um, you are a visionary and that's one of the gifts that you have. Can you expand on that more?
1: Yeah. So. There's this cool thing about the heart and we're electromagnetic and it's our center. So a lot of people will think of like pacemakers or the sinoatrial node in the heart is literally like this pulse of electricity. I teach people how to journey into the heart and get into that, that center of them. Lots of different ways. I talked about that breath practice, but there's a whole bunch of fun ways through sound, through um, meditation, the sound, the sonic healing that we do creates that space. When you connect into the heart, that is powerful. And then if you connect into the center of the brain, that is powerful. Then if you connect the brain in that really cool little visionary center, in Vedic tradition, that pineal pituitary thalamus hypothalamus, which is right in the center, it's like a little cave. It's called the cave of creation or the cave of Brahma, which is the God that was considered the creator God. So... When we drop into the heart and then we learn how to access our central kind of visionary capacity in our brain, not our frontal lobe and not our back reptilian brain, but right in the center. And we've got both hemispheres talking to each other, the the very rational evidence side and the creative visionary side. When they're working well together and we're right there in the middle and it's really dropped in and the heart is in coherence with the brain, we can create a a quality of life that would include being visionary kind of most of the time. I've been working on this for decades. So I'm really practiced. I'm like, you know, that bodybuilder who's been like going from the five pounder to like, I can lift, you know, metaphorically like 200 pounds or whatever um, spiritually in these visionary states. So people hire me and come to me and I'll see things in their body. I'll kind of scan and sense different aspects that are going on that, that idea of a medium who can talk to the dead, like the sixth sense movie, I see dead people, um, that, that feeling of having a sense even of the future, like I'll have dreams waking or asleep where I'll get a, a hit of something coming and I can use that now we have multiple timelines. There's no one predictor for the future. So I always say it with a caveat that we can always make creative choices and do something completely different. There's nothing set in stone with the future, but we can have a sense, all of us. I think the, the way that I would describe it is it's like, if you think of your five senses plus that sixth sense of like, I don't know, I just know all of those have an expanded ability. Not everybody gives permission to it, but we can all do it. I've just been practicing for a really long time. And so Space Academy is kind of a great training ground for people who want to practice tapping into bigger senses and getting stronger in that. Um, I have therapists and I've worked with nurse practitioners and um, massage therapists and different folks that are coming in and Reiki practitioners and shamans in training. People who are like, I want to get better at this so I can help my clients better because The more visionary we let ourselves be, in a way, the more magical we are. Suddenly, we're having access to something that's not just limited by the rule book in front of us, by our society that says, no, this is what's possible. No, this is what's possible. We want to come in and say, hey, there's more potential than you can see. And because I'm dropping into my own authority and connecting with that wonderful pulse of electromagnetism, and it's flowing really well, and I'm... I'm connecting my heart and my head really well, I can see and sense things that most people could if they wanted to, but don't give permission to. So because I've been working on it a while and I have full permission now, I call it psychic prosperity. And it's it's a, a term I heard years ago by um, another thought leader that I really like. And I thought, that's it. We can be more prosperous. We don't have to just go, oh, these are the psychic mediums over there. I would love to see a world where more people are empowered into their visionary states so that we've got really empowered. Well, the wellness focus is, yeah, I'll go see the doctor. I don't have to like throw the baby out with the bathwater. I can see what Western medicine has to say. And then I'm going to go look at what might be the other layers and levels of this, because maybe I don't have to take that prescription not forever. And maybe I'll take it temporarily, get to a different place and then get to these other issues that are tended. And that visionary state can help people feel confidence in that and trust their bodies and trust their healing intelligence. Cause it turns out we're way more magical than we realize.
0: Yeah. I think that's super fascinating. And I love how you talk about um, that. There's so many different like layers and facets to everything. And um, it's, different for everybody. And it's really exploring that and figuring out what works best for yourself. Um, So I think you described that beautifully. Um, If somebody wants to work with you, or they're interested in one of your workshops, or they want to read your book, how can they find all this information? How can they connect with you?
1: A really easy way is through my website, Estara Raven. It's like a star, so A-S-T-A-R-A, and then raven like the bird, and then it's dot L-O-V-E. So instead of dot com, it's dot love. And so it's our star, raven dot love is the website. Along the top banners, is a sparkly little banner, whatever page that you go to on the website, it'll say something about the book, so you can click there. We have an events page. We have a page that talks about our film. I made a film with my husband. We have a documentary called We Are Not Alone we have really great offerings. So you can go to either the offerings tab or the illuminating hearts tab, and you'll see different kinds of focus of offerings. Like the offerings tab is more working with me and doing some of the soul investigation work, maybe a little more shamanic focus, a little more vortex energy healing, a little bit more of that archeology span inside of your heart. And then, um, so I call it heart effect archeology. And then, uh, In our Illuminating Hearts tab, you can go and explore and learn more about our sound healing. We have a lot of collaborators we work with from breath uh, work to acupuncture, so they can do some really innovative stuff in privates, or they can find out on our events page when our next event is. We don't have it up right now. Our events page is about to get populated. Right now, it's a little bit quiet, but that's because we had an event last weekend So we're hoping in the next month or two that we'll get something up and we should have that posted within the week. So a great thing that people can do is scroll to the bottom of the website page and just sign up for our newsletter because then it's not a lot of newsletters that go out, but they'll hear the latest offerings, events, and they'll learn about the book and they'll kind of have a little bit more descriptors of everything.
0: Well, thank you, Asara, so much for sharing all of this wonderful information with us and our listeners. Um, it was all very insightful and fascinating. Um, so, yeah, we really appreciate you being here and chatting with us.
1: You're so welcome. And of course, there's all the socials. So, if anybody needs all the links to it, are at the bottom of the page, too, by the newsletter, and you can watch reels and learn more in real time about all this stuff. So, yeah. <music>
0: If you like what you heard on this episode, please subscribe to our show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can be notified of new episodes. Please leave us a rating and review to help others find our podcasts. And we love reading your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at Rooted Vitality and let us know if there are any topics you would like us to discuss or dive deeper into. If you are a health and wellness practitioner and would like to be a guest on our podcast, please message us. We love hearing from our listeners.